welcome back to the Earth on Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, and the questers that are Josh and Dan. I am Dan. I am Josh. And on tonight's podcast, we don't have any emails, so we're just going to get straight to it here in a second or so. Uh, so all of you slackers out there, if you'd like to email us, we'd like to actually receive your emails, read them online, read them out loud uh, into the microphones, and let all the other listeners hear what you have to say as well. So please email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. But until we get your emails, we'll just discuss all things aromantical. Yeah. Josh. We'll get to that in a moment. We're going to be talking about Usun. Vast yes. green tonight, but I did Great want to ideas. mention that I actually got back a couple of days ago as we we're recording this from Gen Con 2021, mm-hmm. which was weird and wonderful and fantastic, awkward and amazing, and good pressure so release many valve for you. things. Yeah, good, good pressure release valve. Ran Earth on for some folks, had a, a good time doing that. Hung out with a bunch of people, met some people in person for the first time, talked to a couple of folks about future things that I won't discuss now, (laughs) but will be coming up in the future. So while it was not the scale of Gen Con's past, the very fact that it was sort of the, the first one in two years and being in person, it was really, it was good. And I can certainly understand the reticence that some people might have had with regards to the surge of everything going on with regards to the Delta variant and COVID and Indiana not exactly being the epitome of safety when it comes <laughs> to that right now. Although the city, Indianapolis, is better than the outlying areas, the rural counties and surrounding parts of Indiana are really where things were bad. But also, Everybody that was there was aware of the situation, and there were not big, dramatic standoffs with masks. People were kind of looking out for each other and being careful. There was a picture from the opening day looking down on the space outside the vendor hall before it opened for the first time that drew a little bit of of ire from Twitter uh, on Twitter. Um, from folks saying that, oh, you know, this is a going to be a disaster, et cetera, et cetera. That's not my experience. I I saw the picture. Uh, it's certainly not as packed as I had seen pictures that I had taken myself in past years. But the general behavior and everything of everybody there was really, really cool. And I think everybody that was there, like, recognized the sort of communal weirdness that we were all feeling and made it really nice. So hopefully those are lessons that are carried forward and are seen at Origins, which is in a couple of weeks. I'm not going to be there, but if you are happen uh, if you are going to to Origins, Kyle and Michael are going to be there and running some Earthdawn. So maybe get a chance Absolutely. to say hi to them. That sounds awesome. Sorry I missed it. I haven't done anyway. cons ever. Uh, so yeah, I barely find cons in Colorado. Are you kidding me? There are cons in Colorado. Two. I don't know what you're talking about. There's one every six months. Two. There's Genghis Khan, and then there's Tacticon, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Fair. It's okay. I just... I haven't done it in a couple of years. Last time I was there, I had the flu. So I... Luckily, it was... Yeah. Ooh. Last time I was there, I had the flu, and it was not fun. So I did a 17-hour day there. It was awesome. Anyway. Yes. On to Vast Green, Usun. The... 
young by great dragon standards, great dragon, who calls his domain the Liage jungle and does not take kindly to any interloper in that realm. No. No, this is your typical nasty, go away, I will eat you classic dragon. Yeah. I mean, Earthdawn does what Earthdawn does and, you know, flushes out some of the rough edges, but that's his main typical demeanor, which is, no, my place, go away, I will eat you. Because <laughs> he's not going to set you on fire because things in the forest otherwise burn, although he can be that accurate and actually just light you up and leave you alone to burn, and he'll enjoy that, and he'll have a nice little crispy, um, you know, name-giver snack uh, at that point. But otherwise, no, Usun does not um, does not like other name-givers in any way. He's incredibly solitary, along with the outcast, believes the dragons should rule the world, and does not want anything to do with the young races in any way, shape, manner, or form. So um, I think it's kind of easy to work in Usun later on, as far as how do you, let's get Usun into your campaign. Well, great. Go walk through his jungle. He'll find you and he'll eat you. So <laughs> one of those things, um, because Usun is that solitary and does not like the, the name giver races at all. He is one of those that really does prefer, again, classic dragon trope. This is, I think the, the closest you can get to in Earth Dawn. He prefers physical combat. He's not going to out magic you. He can, but that's not what he chooses to do. That's not his preferred method of dealing with interlopers or any other of the uh, name giver races. He does use spirits and creatures as his eyes and ears. And in fact, he can, like a beast master, see through the eyes and ears of any of the creatures in his jungle. So if you ever walk in that jungle and feel like you're being watched, <laughs> you are. Um, yes, indeed. But he does jealously guard that territory. So if you want to place a story there. If you need to go get something out of there or go investigate something in there, Game Masters, prepare accordingly. Your initial thoughts, Josh? Because I read through this essay again last a couple days ago, and there's only like two comments from Mountain Shadow. Yeah, this is another thing. one where where Mountain Shadow does not feel the need to reply too much. There is one comment that is a sidebar that hints at something that was planned for the original version of Bar Save at War. Yeah. Um, which we may address a little bit later. But Usun is a pretty straightforward dragon in some respects. He is incredibly convinced of the superiority of dragon kind, mm -hmm. believes that they should rule. And unfortunately, in his eyes, he is overruled by the other dragons in the desire to basically make war against the other name givers to kind of demonstrate their power. And the outcast in his commentaries, you know, mentions wisely so because the Theron Empire and others are more powerful than Usun, I think, would give them credit for. Yeah. Therefore... You know, it's probably a good idea. Usun, I think, would take the fight to Thera directly. He would try and destroy cities and attack Whatever their flying vessels and do all sorts of things to demonstrate his physical superiority. Usun is probably, despite being one of the youngest of Barsave's great dragons, mm -hmm. one of the most, if not the most, physically 
powerful. Yes. The Outcast talks a lot about Usun being a, a throwback, in a sense, to the old ways of dragons, where dragons ruled and everything else lived in fear of their power and abilities. Yeah, he's almost like the macho alpha male, uh, if, if I could throw that term onto the dragons of any kind. Yeah, that's it. It's, I'm more powerful than you are. I'm going to show it. And it's not magical power. It's not intellectual power. It's, I'm stronger. I'm going to make you do what I want you to do. And so, yeah, Usun is just the alpha male <laughs> type mentality. Usun epitomizes in some ways the, the philosophy of dragonkind survival of the most fit, survival mm -hmm. through strength and power. Yeah. That's part of the reason why he doesn't have any appreciation in any way for the younger races. No. They, in his eyes, don't have any way of coming close to the power of the dragons. Yeah, they've got no physical prowess that can that can subdue him, defeat him. Um, and even Outcast says that he's probably the best fighter among the dragons, physical fighter. So, yeah, no slouch. But I think that also kind of points to a bit of a flaw in his character, that his assessment of the younger races overlooks the cooperative aspect mm -hmm. of name giver society of the ability of people to work together to be greater than any individual yeah. among them. Yeah. Whereas dragon society is for the most part, largely solitary. Mm -hmm. The culture of dragons is one that tries to prevent clashes between these great powers, but they don't tend to work together in the same way that a Theron Legion would. Yeah. Or name givers in general to build Weapons of destruction like the behemoths or the other large, powerful airships that the Theron Empire wields or anything else along those lines. Yeah. Since we've gone through all the other dragons and listed out how they look, since he does re reside in the Liage jungle, and that's where his lair is, and that's his entire domain is that jungle, um, I'd like... So, like I said, I want to give everybody the description of what these dragons look like. And... <clears throat> His body is sleek and powerfully muscled, covered with overlapping scales of burnished green, like aged copper. So if you've seen the Statue of Liberty in America, that's the color green. His wings and underbelly are a paler green than that, allowing him to almost disappear into the jungle foliage. His broad head is topped with a pair of horns, twisted like those of a ram, and equipped with a set of powerful jaws with teeth honed by hunting and fishing. So this is your great light green colored a uh, massive dragon. So, yeah, he's got some um, a physical presence to him. So, but not red, not black, not, yeah. So, I like the color green. We go from there. But um, if you are in the Liaz jungle, and if he approaches you, he is not going to work on diplomacy. He doesn't believe in that. He may give nope. you a first chance to, you know, turn tail and run. If he's hungry, probably not. If he's not hungry, maybe you'll get lucky. So the cool part for me was I had to remember exactly where the Liaz jungle was, and it's actually on the western side of the map near Jerus. Yes, right. It's not the central location. If you're looking at the map, you've got the we the western border, what is considered the western border of Barsave with the Wastes, mm -hmm. the poison forest right along the border of the Wastes and Barsave. The 
poison forest sort of, I, I guess, could be considered the western border. Yeah. Jerus a little bit further east than that. And then the Liage jungle is sort of the next big thing as you're kind of going from west to east across the province. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of tucked over there on the western side of things. Not like the Servos, which is in the middle of Barsave and would be uh, an area that would be interacted with a lot more. Mm -hmm. The Liage jungle is one of those areas, kind of like the Mist Swamps, and we're talking about great dragons, <laughs> that even setting aside the dragon, very dangerous for what is there and an area that most people don't deal with because of that inherent danger. Yeah. It's interesting because the Liage jungle is only bisected by the Liage River, north and south. But other than that, yeah, it's not many things I've come across are set in the Liage jungle itself other than Usun. So, uh, Game Masters, feel free to play. One thing that is brought up, and this is brought up in other places, but also mentioned in the essay about Usun on the, in the Dragon's source book, mm -hmm. is the Tamers. Oh, yes. Which are... Name givers are people that live in the jungle and in some ways have adapted to the fact that their home is patrolled by a predatory dragon mm -hmm. and the predatory dragon's minions. And so likewise have a very kind of survival focused aspect of things from a particular point of view, kind of a very primitive, they don't work metal they don't build towns they don't have settlements or anything like that they are yeah. largely sort of feral wild people running around in the jungle and doing their best to eke out a living under the watchful eye of a, a being that i think they consider in some respects a a deity or passion mm -hmm. of some sort or at least a, and that their life is or at least a protector or 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 a protector yeah, yeah. a a real kind of like force of nature aspect of things that Usun is seen as a protector, but also as the potential destructive force that if one does not mm -hmm. adhere to the appropriate practices and beliefs of this culture, yeah. that stepping outside of the bounds of that is going to result in smiting, smiting by <laughs> the great dragon. Yeah. Outcast can't quite figure out if the tamers are an experiment by Usun or if he's just decided to leave them be, but keep them primitive on purpose just to prove to himself, maybe, that all naming givers are just best left as primitive this way and don't give them any tools that can, you know, that can, they can hurt themselves with. So, I don't know. Outcast hasn't quite figured that out and it's for you guys to go play with as you want. So, uh, make of the tamers what you will under Usun's, uh, Usun's uh, watchful watchful case one of those things but the other thing about Usun most people don't know because as we said he's pretty straightforward as a character as a uh, non-player dragon character is that uh, Usun sorry Outcast is also guessing that Usun aids the Life Rock Rebellion and therefore Omasu and so as much as he doesn't like the name givers at all he's kind of in the background a little bit because again a lot of people hate Thera. Yeah. There are some some things about Usun that are a little bit more complex than his 
straightforward initial presentation yeah. would seem to provide. Mm -hmm. You know, he certainly, broadly speaking, does not have any kind of fondness for the younger races. He really chafes against the restrictions placed upon Dragon's relationship with the younger races at the hands of his senior fellow great dragons. Mm -hmm. And the outcast does kind of mention that that could perhaps be something to use as leverage against him to kind of break up that brotherhood. Yeah. But Usun also recognizes to a certain extent that there is some cooperation and and work that the great dragons do together, particularly with regards to dealing with the Therans and subsequently dealing with the Denerastus. I think it is very telling that the outcast gives his children a warning with regards to Usun. Mm -hmm. That is that you can't charm him, you can't outwit him. In fact, to a certain extent, I think given Usun's general attitude towards the younger races, he's probably would be even more irate and upset at what the outcast has done in regards to dealing with younger races and, and breeding with them. Yeah. So that's definitely something that you would want to keep in mind with regards to any kind of larger scale plots that you might have involving <laughs> dragon relationships. <laughs> Absolutely. So regarding his lair, so we can talk about a little bit more about the jungle itself. Um, it's in the heart of Liaz jungle. Take your pick. Cause like I said, it's bisected. So where you figure the heart is, is where you figure the heart of that is. Uh, his lair, according to Outcast again, is full of coins and jewels, memory crystals, the whole thing, but not that overwhelmingly packed with all of those. But Usun, as I said, does use magic. He's not averse to it. So he's probably cultivating the spread of the Liaz jungle himself. It's mostly elementalism. It's mostly probably wood elementalism. So that's in there. But <clears throat> yeah, if you come across Usun and you're lucky enough to, you know, parlay with him before he tries to eat you or burn you to a crisp, he's not going to talk to you. He finds the name giver languages beneath him and he will just use dragon speech straight into your brain. And either... If he bothers to talk to you at all. If he bothers to talk to you at all. Correct. Um... And he does the same to control the animals of the jungle, his spies, his servants, his soldiers, the whole thing. He just doesn't vocalize. So it's it's rumored he doesn't know how, but I think that Outcast's view of it is is better interpreted as, no, he has this disdain for... He just doesn't bother. He just doesn't bother. It's beneath him to try, just whatever. You're... you're, you're Casual little uh, plays on language are just so primitive and so unique. Whatever. I'm just going to go straight to your brain because that's how real um, dominant species should communicate since we can. That's my thought there. Yeah. <laughs> so he does use elemental spirits as his messengers. That's his preferred use. And so he does conjure elemental spirits all the time. Mostly air and wood. Um, sometimes earth spirits, not that many, really not fire servants because, you know, you're in a jungle. So things happen to catch on fire that way. So that's not really a word for him. Uh, water spirits, not so much, but really because air moves a little bit faster. He does use those as messengers. Um, but only recently has he started creating Drake servants. Only 
after the presence of the Therans showed up on Lake Ban. One of the other sort of interesting things with regards to Usun's elemental spirit servants is that they frequently, unlike a lot of servants that get summoned, they don't take the form of or resemble name givers the way a lot of spirits do, at least to a certain extent. They tend to be a lot more primal, whether that's resembling more of an animal or beast or something like that, or even just being some kind of amorphous cloud of wind or whatever. It would really give a a game master the opportunity to go a little bit surreal and weird with (laughs) the appearances of spirits that you might run into in the liage. And if you've got an elementalist who is looking to summon spirits, you might get some weird results as a result of that. Absolutely. Also, the creatures, you mentioned him sort of having really powerful Beastmaster-like talents where he can sort of control and see through the eyes of the creatures within his domain. Mm -hmm. And often acting in a similar way to how more traditional name-giver servants of other dragons might work in terms of being an early warning system or a way of the dragon to keep tabs on their area. Yeah. Usun does not, at least according to the outcast, have any kind of spy network or information gathering in the province. Largely, I would expect because he just doesn't bother having name givers that would be the most effective agents for doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a curious thing that actually just occurred to me, whether part of Usun's distrust of servants stems from the betrayal in the previous age by the dragon kin and, and the immortals and whether that is that's not something that's ever addressed but that might be an uh, an interesting thing to consider with regards to his psychology and the reason why he is the way he is mm-hmm. when it comes to that sort of thing i mean above and beyond his draconic supremacy and physical prowess psychologically i could just see where he doesn't want to do Anything outside of the Liaz jungle, because this is his domain, and why bother worrying about things outside of it that A, can't threaten him, B, shouldn't threaten him, and C, don't threaten him. And if that's the, you know, if he's just like that waiting, you know, alpha male slash bully thing, then he's not going to worry about anything outside the Liaz jungle. That's, that's the psychology I would place on him as far as that's concerned. Um, but yeah, when he does conjure these spirits, they take the form of, you know, raptors for air spirits and wood spirits are mostly trees or collections of vines and earth spirits appears, bears, like Brithens type, uh, fire spirits take the form of great cats and water spirits, water serpent, water spirits are like serpents. And so that's just a basis of where to start from when you're using Usun's, uh, spirit conjuring there as well. But the, yeah, what he can actually with his magic, he, like I said, he doesn't use magic that often. He's more of the physical presence. But when he wants to, maybe he's having a lazy day. Who knows? Uh, he'll animate the forest around the intruders themselves. He'll make the vines happen and the tree, the tree branches come down and knock people around. So he will actually use the forest as a weapon itself. Maybe as a, you know, a first volley before he has to get involved or travel around to where you are. But yeah, he's, he's no slouch in the, uh, this is his lair stay out of it. <laughs> he really wants no one in there but himself and maybe his servants and his creatures and things like that. Um, however, another interesting aspect of this, uh, rather, I can't say one dimensional character is that he is asked to clutch 
a number of eggs. And so he is training his brood to be, obviously, like him. Uh, he's that kind of a self-centered dragon where he's he's the greatest and he wants dragons to rule. So therefore, he's training all of his, his hatchlings, all of his brood, to be exactly like him. So the next generation of dragons will have a lot more of Usun's personality. Yeah, and... As counterpoint to that, this is one of the places where Mountain Shadow has a response to the Outcast's commentary, yeah. where he says that the idea that just because they are raised by Usun that they are going to follow his philosophy mm-hmm. shows that the Outcast <laughs> has spent too much time amongst the, the younger races. <laughs> because yes, while it is not uncommon for other name givers to be raised and follow the philosophy of their families, that is not necessarily the case with dragons. Yeah. And the classic draconic superiority glows through a little bit on this. Mm -hmm. Although young dragons are influenced by their sire, it is not our way to follow blindly. (laughs) Or or else so many recent events would have gone more smoothly. (laughs) Mountain Shadow almost always has a good point. No, it's humorous, but that one I found humorous as well. Uh, there was one thing in the essay that I wanted to uh, call attention to real quick because I don't know if it was a misprint or if it's a subtle uh, distinction we need to talk about real quick, which is um, on wyverns. So the, the one line that got me was, The Liage jungle is known to be the home to many wyverns, the first progeny of Usun since the scourge to near maturity. So is Usun yeah. responsible for wyverns or... Well, not solely. I yeah. think this is another of those places where the <laughs> open secret of wyverns being adolescent dragons mm-hmm. is revealed. Yeah. Wink, wink, where basically the outcast is saying, yeah, there are a lot of wyverns. <laughs> These are the sort of the eldest among the, the eggs that yeah. Usun has clutched and are getting to the point now where they're in their adolescence. I don't think it's that Usun is solely responsible for them at all. I think it's simply the case of, yes, these are the progeny that he is raising and they are currently in their wild, feral adolescent phase. (laughs) Fair enough. So, as I said, we can probably get to the the whole how to work Usun and or the Liaz jungle into any campaign you're running because that he's a pretty straightforward dragon. I mean, there's not a... There's not a heap of nuance to it. Yeah. He's pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. And until you start getting into the province-wide struggle between the Great Dragons and the Outcast and the Dinerastus and the the Theron Empire, mm-hmm. although at this particular point in time of the fourth edition timeline, the Therans have mostly been dealt with yeah. by the Great Dragons for the time being. The only other real way that you would get Usun involved in something is if you are mucking about in some way with the Liage jungle. Usun would definitely provide a high level of threat and a certain amount of tension and atmosphere to any game that interacts with or enters the Liage jungle in any way. Even if you've got a low circle group or lower circle group that might be going into the outs, the edge parts of the jungle yeah. for one reason or another, 
the idea that the jungle is watching you, that Usun is watching you through the eyes of the jungle and the difficulties that you might face as a result of that could definitely be something, even if the dragon himself does not appear, could definitely be something that would ratchet up the tension of scenario of an adventure that you might be having there. Yeah. If you're going to be, especially if you're dealing with like a higher circle game, dealing with the conflicts and struggles of these incredibly powerful beings, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Earthroot and the possibility of a conflict between Earthroot and Icewing and how that might cause problems for the Kingdom of Thrall in particular, but for Barsave in general mm-hmm. as a result of that. There is the possibility of conflict between Usun and the other great dragons. Um, Mountain Shadow does seem to be fairly assured that Usun, despite the philosophical differences, still holds to dragon society and is willing to make his desires known, but otherwise submit to the will of the majority of the great dragons when it comes to dealing with things. The outcast does call out the fact that when the Therans first showed up or returned to Barsave, um, Usun just basically wanted to go and smash them and was restrained from doing so (laughs) by the other great dragons. Yeah, he just, he sees an ass whooping as a way to stop everything. <laughs> he said he's, he's a pretty straightforward dragon and he doesn't get out much. He has no reason to leave the Liage. He doesn't see, um, he doesn't have a, a network of people outside of Liage jungle, you know, gathering information for him. He's just, he's there. He's in his ha- He's, he's isolating at home, um, for as long as he wants to. <clears throat> and until uh, I think the council, you know, lets him off the leash a little bit to go pound some interlopers or whatever, whoever they deem interloping, uh, then yeah, he's just going to be happy in the Leah's jungle, sitting at home being mean. <laughs> yeah. The one sort of bit of meta plot that I kind of want to call out, cause this is referenced in the essays and I'm not sure cause I'm looking at the original version of it yeah. rather than the, the second edition dragons source book. Yeah. Outcast speculates a little is speculating a little bit that Usun has something of great interest as part of the treasures in his lair, but doesn't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And also mentions that Usun apparently had made a couple of expeditions into the wastes for some reason. Yeah. It's revealed in I think it's revealed. I can't remember whether this is actually in the the Barsavit War mm. timeline outline that had been released, um, or whether this was something that came about as a result of other things that Lou might have said online in those early post first edition days. But that what Usun had done and what he had gone to retrieve was loci, the the magical, we talked about the sort of magical or a calcum deposits that the Theron Empire placed in various places around the world right. to artificially maintain the magic level of the planet. Mm-hmm. And that Usun retrieved one or possibly more of those from the wastes as a way of, in conjunction with some stolen Theron airships and using the loci, the locuses, whatever the- (laughs) How's it spelled? The magical oracalcum thingies to power those airships and that those airships, rather than being powered by the life energy of slaves, were powered by these artifacts. And it was those ships that were used in the assault on- the triumph yeah. to slip past their defenses that it's sort of an instrumental piece of what's going on 
in terms of the, the dragon's plot. Now, obviously, if you're running a game in the current sort of fourth edition timeline, that is something that happened several years ago. But that is still something that could spiral out its own consequences as a result of that. Fair enough. So any other suggestions? Uh, like I said, Usun is probably the most straightforward classical idea of what dragons would be in every other game except for Earth Dawn, but finally Earth Dawn has their own straightforward classic bad guy dragon. Any other ways you we could work them in probably into a campaign? We're here to we're here to help. I wouldn't go so far as to say that Usun is the classic bad guy oh, dragon. Yeah. Dragons are too much of characters in their own right. Yes. He certainly would be most likely and more likely to be an antagonist based on what player characters are likely to get up to in places where they would be interacting with him. A much better word. Yeah. He would be a, an obstacle. He would be an antagonist. He he could potentially, if you were powerful enough and causing him enough grief um, to actually become a, a an, an enemy mm-hmm. of sorts. And his dragon superiority ideas certainly do not or would not endear him to most folks. But he doesn't muck about outside his domain. No. Despite his feelings about name givers and, and the superiority of dragons, mm-hmm. he doesn't go out and conduct attacks on villages and towns and villages yeah. around the Liage jungle. If they're outside of that domain, he leaves them be. Yeah. Obviously, if you know there's a town that is kind of near the Liage and raids its outskirts for resources, mm-hmm. he probably doesn't look kindly on that. Um, that's something that you could do you know, in terms of an adventure hook idea or something along those lines, yeah. have the player characters involved in protecting or maybe retrieving something from the edges of the jungle. Usun as a great dragon would conceivably be a campaign level opponent. Yes. But his motivations and things like that do not tend to lend themselves well to situations where he would necessarily be getting involved in grander campaign plots mm-hmm. the way that you would potentially with Icewing or Mountain Shadow or the Outcast. Yeah. Usun would be more likely to be dragged into a plot that's already involving other dragons. And again, at that point, you're dealing with deep lore meta plot kind of stuff rather than anything like that. Yeah. I think Usun represents, as each of the dragons in their own way, represent different archetypes of dragons from myth and and legend and so forth. You know, you've got Mountain Shadow and and Icewing. You've got the Outcast, who would be the closest thing of being a a real bad guy dragon. Mm -hmm. But that's largely because he is building up his own forces of disaster to unleash and subjugate the rest of the province as part of his ongoing brinkmanship with the other great dragons. Usun represents the really physically powerful aspect of dragons in that regard. Mm -hmm. Fair. I have a question. So since we didn't get any emails ahead of time, I'm going to ask one in arrears. So I'm going to try and get some, I'm going to try and beat, beat beat a questioner to the punch real quick. Since there is that Liage river running, you know, bisecting the Liage jungle, there's not a Tuscrang house in charge of that part of the river, is there? 
No, it's not. The Liage River, I don't think, is actually connected to the Serpent River network at all. Nope, not at all. Yeah, it flows down and passes down in between the the Dolores Mountains and the Twilight Peaks, flowing down through Carafod and eventually emptying down into Death Sea that way. Because it's not connected to the Serpent River network, it is not part of the Tuscrang, the Europagoi culture that is sort of the the primary Tuscrang culture of Barsave. Yeah. There is a small Tuscrang group of foundations that are in the rivers kind of down in that southwestern corner of Barsave mm-hmm. along the Greenheart River and whatnot. Yeah. But no, it's not included as any part of the of the the game of the great houses with Catension and Vistrimen and Sirtis and so yeah, forth. Yeah, didn't think so. Wanted to make sure, because just in case somebody asked that question ahead of time, <clears throat> well, don't the Descrang houses, you know, have to go up that part of the river and whatnot and deal with it? So, no. It's, it's yeah, it's not connected. Yeah, just making sure. So, possibly, if you wanted to start a Descrang house on that side of Death Sea and maybe parlay some kind of agreement with Usun, good luck. Yeah, I don't see that happening. No, no, but had to bring it up anyway. And you wouldn't really be likely to leverage that, certainly in the upper reaches of that river network when you're up into Barsave, north of that pass between the mountains and sort of north of uh, the old Ustrecht area. That area kind of southeast of Jerus, south of the Liage jungle, is your typical kind of Barsave hinterlands. And I don't think there's enough there. Yeah to make it worthwhile for any kind of real economic power of a descrying economic power to really develop there. You might have absolutely individual villages and communities that live along it, but probably in a much more old style fishing village kind of subsistence situation and probably without riverboats, probably dealing with more traditional watercraft, much like you have with the Tuscrang sort of further south down along the Greenheart and whatnot. Yeah. I really like the idea of the riverboats being largely unique to the Tuscrang of the Serpent River. Mm-hmm. And, and that while the Tuscrang are still semi-aquatic and largely spending time around rivers and lakes and so forth in other parts of the world, um, whether that's other Theron provinces or, or elsewhere, that they tend to deal with more traditional watercraft than the riverboats, yeah. because I just like the idea of the variety that that would promote in terms of the cultural diversity. Absolutely fair. Rather than have everything be copies of Bar Save just in, on other parts of the map. I'm okay with that. So any final thoughts, any further thoughts on Usun's role in Bar Save and or how to use him in a campaign? Because like I said, he's probably the most straightforward dragon we're going to have in this entire conversation. Yeah. I don't think so. I think Usun probably is best served in one of two ways. One is as a presence and threat within the Liage jungle and its maybe immediate surrounding area. And I think that's probably the primary one where you are most likely to deal with them. The other way is to have Usun be acting as a sort of dissenting voice against the desires and actions of the other great dragons. Mm -hmm. And that's only going to be something that's going to come into play if you are dealing with a much more higher powered campaign 
where the player characters are agents of other great dragons or somehow involved in the plots and schemes that are going on at that level of things, where at that point, Usun would be that counter voice, that one that allows you to present maybe a different point of view. And he probably in in those kind of situations is apt to come across as a bit of a jerk. Yeah. Which he is in a way, but despite being focused on physical prowess and strength and the hunt and all of these classic old school dragon traits, Mm -hmm. he's not stupid. Oh, he is a great dragon. You don't get (laughs) to be one of those by being stupid. He might not be as magically potent Mm -hmm. as Mountain Shadow or Icewing or Earthroot, you know, the other sort of great dragons that we've talked about here thus far. Yeah. But don't underestimate him at all when it comes to dealing with him, particularly when it comes to the Liage jungle, which is, in a sense, an extent, you know, his domain, an extension of his lair Mm -hmm. with all of that implies. Exactly. So until next time, folks, if you have any questions for us about Usun or how you might want to use him or any other dragons we've talked about so far, feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Until then, I think it is time for you to avoid the Liaz jungle in your legend. True enough. (laughs) Good night, everybody. 